Cody was sharing about his loss of voice this week, it reminded me to be thankful that God is not mute. Consistently throughout the scriptures, we're encouraged that God is a speaking God to us. And the greatest way, the clearest way that God speaks to us is through his written word. So now as we open up God's word to hear his voice, why don't we take just a second for each one of us personally just to pray to get ready to hear God's voice. Ask God to speak to you personally. Ask him that right now. that if it leaned any more 
floor, it would fall down. Hasn't got to that at that point yet. But to sum it up, the tower was misaligned because of a lack of effort. And spiritually speaking, that is a lesson for us too. That if our heart, the base of who we are, is misaligned in our relationship with God because we aren't giving our all to Him, then everything else is going to be off in our life. It's going to hurt us. That's one reason why we need to give our very best to God. But the greatest reason why we need to give our very best to God is because God deserves our very best. He deserves our all. In the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, God's people Israel were corrected because of this problem. Because they weren't giving their very best to God. And all the rest was off because of this. The priests especially, this would have been their leadership, was giving this lackluster effort to God in the sacrifices. They did not view God as important enough, apparently, to give their best, to serve with all of their efforts. And sometimes in God's Word, we get examples that we can imitate in our lives every day. Today in the passage, we actually get a negative example that we are to avoid. So let's read about this negative example that the priests in Old Testament Israel were giving, were, were giving at that time. This is Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. A son dishonors his father, and a servant his master. But if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is your fear of me, says the Lord of armies to you priests, who despise my name? Yet you ask, how have we despised your name? By presenting defiled food on my altar. How have we defiled you, you ask, when you say the Lord's table is contemptible? When you present a blind animal for sacrifice, is it not wrong? And when you present a lame or sick animal, is it not wrong? Bring it to your governor. Would he be pleased with you or show you favor? Ask the Lord of armies. And now plead for God's favor. Will he be gracious to us? Since this has come from your hands, will he show you any favor? Ask the Lord of armies. I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would no longer kindle a useless fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of armies, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations. From the rising 
rising of the sun to its setting, incense and your offerings will be presented in my name in every place because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of armies. But you are profaning it when you say, the Lord's table is defiled and its product, its food, is contemptible. You also say, look, what a nuisance. And you scorn it, says the Lord of armies. You bring stolen, lame, or sick animals. You bring this as an offering. Am I to accept that from your hands, says the Lord? The deceiver is cursed, who has an acceptable male in his flock and makes the vow, but sacrifices a defective animal to the Lord. For I am a great king says the Lord of armies, and my name will be feared among the nations. This is God's holy word. So this, this passage reads like an argument. Last week we talked about how the first passage reads like an argument between a parent and a child. This argument reads more like a prosecuting attorney in court arguing his case. And God was making a case against his Old Testament people, Israel. The main charge that he was bringing against them was they were not giving their best to him. The priests at this time were giving second best of the offerings, of the, the sheep from the flock or the cattle from the herd. All over the Old Testament, there are rules and regulations about how the priesthood was supposed to, on behalf of the people of Israel, offer sacrifices to him. This was the main way that the people were meeting with God. This was at the center, the heart of Old Testament worship, offering a sacrifice. And there was very specific rules about what kind of animal they were supposed to give. So they knew what was expected of them. They were not putting in the efforts that God demanded from them. That was the priesthood, the leaders, but apparently the people were enabling the priesthood. They weren't demanding the priests to give their best on their behalf. They were just going along with what their leaders were doing. And what were they doing that set so God, God so much there? They were, in God's word, offering defiled food on my altar. The animals, whether the sheep or the goats or the cattle, were, were useless to God. They were, they had at their disposal the best of the flock. Um, they had the best, as the end of the passage tells us, the best male from the flock. They, some were even giving lip service, saying that they would give this, but it was only lip service. And then instead of giving this best of the flock, they were giving sheep that were lame, sheep that were sick, um, sheep that had thoughts. And in, in God's law, all of this was defiling. It was unclean. It wasn't acceptable to God on his altar. 
important part of, of the temple. Um, it was where all of the sacrifices were made. Uh, the priests would represent the people, so the people would bring their offerings, their, their sacrifices to the priest, and the, the priest would play the role of a mediator. He would sacrifice the sheep or the goat on the altar. In the passage in verse 7, the altar is also called the table of the Lord. Why would it be called the table of the Lord? It was just like we sit at the table to fellowship with our friends and family. The altar was the place where Israel was to meet with God. There was supposed to be fellowship between Israel and God at the table, at the altar. This was a place of community and relationship between God and his people. But God clearly says, I can't meet with you there. I can't meet with you there because what you're doing is offensive to me. What you're doing is offensive to me because you're giving less than your best. You're not honoring me. You're not fearing my name. You're not revering me in worship. But beyond what the people were actually practicing, what they were, what they were doing, there was something deeper that was the real issue that was going on. And it's still a problem for God's people today. It's the heart. The, the heart was what was sick. The heart was the real problem. The heart being the core of, of who we are. Out of the heart we, we love. Um, out of the heart we, we desire. Out of the heart we, we make all of our decisions. And out of Israel's heart at this time was just a foul and putrid attitude toward God. They were, they were taking advantage of God's grace that he had given them. He was providing for them. He was protecting them. But what they, did they give back to God? It wasn't worship like he deserved. It was treating God like he was unimportant. Um, it, was, it was treating God like he was small, like he could just be overlooked um, by offering these lackluster sacrifices on the altar of God. This is an important point that we all need to grasp. Our actions are always going to follow our attitude. Our actions are always going to follow our attitude. So their attitude toward God wasn't one of reverence. It was one of dishonor. So what did they do? Their actions showed that attitude because they offered these second best, second rate offerings on the altar. And it's going to be like that for us too. If our attitude, if our heart isn't right with God, our actions aren't going to be right either. In verse 13, God puts this in stark relief when he says their view of him was one of a nuisance. You also say, look, what a nuisance, and you scorn it 
talking about the worship at this time and how they viewed this as just an inconvenience. This was a nuisance. They didn't want to deal with it, so they just threw something together, gave God half their mess, and then just went right on. Now, before we look down our notices on, on Israel, I think we need to consider how this is true for us today. And when I say we, I mean me as well. We need to consider our attitude toward God. Are we going back to the beginning? Are we going to the base of who we are and making sure it's aligned rightly with God? Or are we, like Old Testament Israel, viewing God as really small and unimportant in our lives? I quote from a commentary that I used to study this week. It's called the Christ-Centered uh, Exposition Commentary on this. And uh, they challenge us here about this passage. Uh, rather than giving less than best animal sacrifices today, it could be you offer your best to Uncle Sam, but less to the work of God. You spend your time watching sports and TV shows, but you spend minimal time in God's Word, if at all. You spend a lot of time on your hobbies and on your apps and activities, but little time in worship and prayer. Now borrow this little phrase too. Before God ever accepts your gifts, He inspects your heart. Attitude always counts with God. It's not just what we do, though what we do is very important. But you can be doing things right, but God knows your heart. He knows if you're doing them from the right motivation. If, if motivation didn't count with God, if attitude did not count, then the Pharisees of Jesus' day would have been just fine. Because they had a reputation of even tithing out of their spice rack. They were so meticulous about all the outward things, but it was their heart that looked really bad to God. Jesus said, you're just a whitewashed tomb. You're just a decorated tomb because your heart is off alignment with me. The truth is, and what we must always remember, what we must always keep before ourselves is God deserves our best in a way nothing else does. God deserves our best in a way that nothing else does, and He will have it. He will not be satisfied until He has our hearts. This is good news for us, because in our sinful condition, we are not able to give God his due. We are not able to give God the worship that he deserves. It took God stepping in. It took God bringing redemption down for this to happen in any human being's heart. And this is what he promises here in the last verse of the chapter in Malachi. It's both a prophecy and a promise. And there God exclaims, I am a great king, says the Lord of armies, and my name will be feared among the nations. My name will be feared among the nations. He's saying it will be. There, 
there's no question. It's not will it be. It, it will be feared among the nation. Fear is not being scared that God's going to like strike you dead with the lightning bolts. Uh, fear is trembling before God because he's so great. It's being in awe of who God is. It's seeing his grandeur and his how marvelous he is in, in worshiping. It's an attitude of reverence that God requires of all of his people. And he is saying here, my people will fear me. And he's saying that there will be nations who fear me like this. You see, God planned a time and prophesied of, his, of a time when his name would be feared. That means honored and praised and beyond the borders of Old Testament Israel. In fact, he says all the nations on earth will fear him, will revere him like this, Jew and Gentile alike. And that time has come. We are living in a time of fulfillment where the good news of God's kingdom he says, I am a great king. The good news of God's kingdom is going out into all the nations. And God is causing people to fear his holy name. And the way that God is going to do this, and is already doing this, is through the good news. It's through a message. It's through a message of his son. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came to earth. Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son, came to earth, fully God and fully man. And He came to earth always giving His best to God. He came to earth always submitting to the will of God. He came to earth always living out all of the rules, all of the commands that God has given to human beings. He is the only perfect human being who has ever walked the place, walked on the face of the earth. And this qualified him in a unique way to be our sacrifice. Remember how I said that it was on the altar where God met with his Old Testament people? Well, Jesus Christ is our sacrificial lamb died on a cross, died on the altar of God, so that through placing our faith in Him and what He did in our place, we can have a reconciled relationship, fellowship with God. We can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that He made. And he didn't just die. He rose again victoriously from the grave so that we may have life in us, those who believe, those who repent of their sin and trust in Jesus Christ. We can have not only our sins to be forgiven and wiped clean and have a right relationship with God, we can start to live in the power of the Spirit. We can have new life in us, eternal life in us. It's never going to end, even though we may die. We'll be resurrected. We'll live forever in God's kingdom. And for now, God's at work in his people to turn every 
one of his people into a temple where they're offering spiritual sacrifices to him, where they're seeking to obey him daily, little bit by little bit. Is that you? Does that describe you? Have you turned your life over to Christ? Have you placed your life on the altar of God and trusted in Christ and what he did for you? God told Israel that their sacrifices were ugly. Their sacrifices were defiling and sinful to him because they were being so self-centered. Because they were just offering him second grade when they had their best. Their offerings were second grade to him. He would rather the temple doors be shut and all of these half-measured offerings be stopped rather than discontinued. It didn't matter how many of these second-rate offerings kept coming through the temple doors. God said, they're all, they're all ugly to me. And I would rather the temple doors be shut. I wish one of you would shut the temple doors. I will accept no offering from your hands, God told them. God desires our hearts above all things. It, it doesn't matter what we do outwardly if our heart isn't right with God. God knows our hearts. Is your heart right with God? Is your heart given over to Him for His name and, and His glory? And I'm so glad that Jesus came to give Himself as our sacrifice. It's a pure and perfect and devoted sacrifice. Giving his best so you and I can know God and start to serve God in the way he deserves. Jesus Christ came to earth so that we can be new people. Not just have some outer things changed about us, but new people in our hearts. That's God's desire. And I close with this story this morning. In Africa, there was a young woman who had just been saved and had been baptized. And she was in church one Sunday. And she noticed the offering plate, and she noticed people were placing money in the offering plate. The problem was she didn't have any money to put in the offering plate. So she felt very convicted. So she went over and got one of the offering plates, and she placed it on the ground, and she stood in the offering plate to show that she was offering her whole self to God as her offering that day. That's a lot like what Romans 12 tells us that we should all do every day. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true spiritual act of worship. Jesus offered himself up for you on a cross so that now, by faith in him, you can offer yourself back to God. You can offer everything that you do before God becomes a spiritual act of worship to him. As you live your daily life, when you choose what's right over what's wrong, the spiritual act of worship. Everything becomes worship for the believer in Jesus Christ. So what are ways this morning that the Spirit is speaking to you about your heart, about what you need to do
to give your best to God. What you need to do to give a spiritual act of worship. There's three different areas of stewardship that God calls us all to give worship to God. He calls us to worship God through our time. He calls us to worship God through our talents and our abilities and service to Him. And He calls us to worship God through our treasure and our, our money. In all of those ways, is your life aligned to Jesus Christ? Is your heart given over to Him? In the, in the temple of your life, in the core place of you, your altar, your heart, can God look at it and see Jesus there? Can you can he see your life yielded, submitted to Jesus Christ, offering yourself as a spiritual act of worship, a sacrifice? What sacrifice is God calling you to make today? How is he leading you to serve him at your best today? Let's go to him and pray. Lord, we praise you. Thank you so much for your sacrifice Apart from which we would be lost. We would have nothing to offer to you. Our goodness and our good deeds and our, our best efforts aren't enough to save us, to bring us back into fellowship with you. But thank you, Lord, that you sent your one and only Son to offer a pure sacrifice in our place. And Lord, now help us to worship him back like he deserves. Not to try to earn anything to, from you, but just to give thanks. To give praise with our very lives. Or speak to us very personally today and show us what we ought to do. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Will you stand this morning? Will you place yourself altar of God and do whatever he's leading you to do today. Up front, if you need somebody to talk to, I'm willing to pray with you. Maybe there's something that you need to share with the church. You can do that during this time. Maybe you're not comfortable coming up front. I'm easy to get in contact with. Just uh, look in the bulletin. Find my number and I'll be happy to talk with you sometime this week or, or after the service. Come and find me.